much speed until you let go of what is speed. I'm talking about your money. So he scares Dalton, so I gotta give him a heads up. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I jump easy. <laughs> All right. Hi, Dalton. Hi, Austin. Uh, how has your week been? Man, it's been good. It's been good. Been working a bunch. Um, I mentioned to you, I think a little bit over text, but tomorrow, as we record this, so this will already be out, I'm actually going to officially become a professional voiceover artist, something that I never thought I would ever get done. I'm and something I thought you would do from the first day I met you. <laughs> I appreciate all the confidence you have in me that I lack in myself. Uh, I really do. But yeah, I'm, I'm recording a radio spot for, uh, I don't know if I can say it, but it's... Uh, won't hear it. It's fine. Yeah, they probably won't. Totally my it. Someone will clip it. But yeah, so um, yeah, get to do that tomorrow, which will be, which will be cool. I guess I, I did a rough track for um testing i work in advertising so they were like oh that guy he can do something and i guess it tested well people liked my voice and so now i get to go record the final we'll see nice well congrats thank you achieving all your dreams that you never knew you had (laughs) (laughs) so uh we have a guest for this episode right austin yes we do we have from echoplex media gay dave what's up man oh not much man How, how are you guys uh living life man i got off an hour early from work so i could be on time and i was still almost late so <laughs> that's how my day's going were you like a minute late because i mean i was like i think like 30 seconds late and you like popped up right after i got like on the call so well i got home at 7 15 and i had a really hard day at work so i was like man i'm gonna take me a nice bath like i'm not a bath guy so like i was like you know what i'm gonna reward myself it's a treat so I went in there, I was chilling, chilling, chilling. And I looked at my phone and it said 8.15. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Ran out, got dressed and came in here. You know, that used to be the case for me too. But now like to set up, I have like a script. So like come sit down at the computer and I double click one thing and I walk away and I come back and everything's like completely fired up and ready to go. Yeah, your nice, setup is dude. insane. I saw it too. I was like, oh my. And you run it all on Linux too, right? Yeah, yeah, we we. Uh, at the beginning of the project back in 2015 it was like an ideological choice but then as time went on and the tools got better it turned out it was the right call um and I, i'm a linux systems administrator like by day or at least part of my day job so if things break i can fix them yeah that's so. that's nice that is nice i'm a i'm an ex uh apple employee so i'm still drinking that kool-aid even though it's <laughs> way more expensive than it needs to be one second, guys. I'm sorry. I'm going to get the cats out of here. <laughs> oh, but I, I, oh man, I'm going to miss the kitties. I know. So I have you heard any of this stuff? And there you are, an OT. Oh yeah, the LRH stuff. I haven't heard Some it. Some people are more bottom than others. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's no. just about as insulting as you can possibly get. For a homophobic dickhead, you know, it's awfully, it's awfully close. He's awful. He's like, uh, he, he was, he was aware of some things. I don't know what he was he's probably talking about the tone scale or whatever it's called right there. You know? Yeah. He's uh, that man. I'm glad we're not talking about him a lot. I mean, he's obviously going to play a part in this whole story. No, I was, I'm like, I'm like really glad that y'all chose uh, David Miscavige instead of Elrond Hubbard. Yeah. Yeah. It's Elrond. Oh, okay. Just because Elrond's been covered everywhere, you know, yeah. you know, Robert Evans did an episode on him that were like a multi-part. And I mean, like, he's pretty covered. I don't feel like yeah. there's many people talk about little, little David. That's yeah, true. I, I think, I don't know if you knew the, the other guy and if he would have stuck around, he would have been real good for this. I don't know if you ever 
ran into if you were a character named Tommy Davis in your days on the internet. Yeah. 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 He was, yeah. He was with Miscavige. Yeah. He was yeah. like the spokesperson. Yeah. He, he did this right here, right now. I'm angry, real angry. Yeah. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was all, he was all over that John Sweeney guy when he did that documentary. Oh that yeah. Was so wild. Um, well, cool. Well, actually let's, let's jump into it then. We are talking about David Miscavige, the, the, boo. the yeah, boo hiss. <laughs> <laughs> the head of the church used the church used lightly of Scientology. So we're going to get into this boy. A little fun fact. Uh, I spent a year of my life in Clearwater, Florida. So this one is a project that hits close to home. <laughs> you know, real quick, what what when we notice some of the people that we cover, particularly no, just a lot of them. Some of these people live in like the most beautiful places. Clearwater is awesome. Clearwater is a beautiful place. We cover this chemtrails lady that lives in Virginia Beach and cannot like appreciate the beauty of her surroundings in any meaningful way. This other lady lives in a place called Swampscott, uh, um, what is it, Massachusetts. And every time she does like her little videos, we're like, oh, my God, there's like that that seafood restaurant is probably great. What are you doing? <laughs> and so it's like not for nothing. It seems like for whatever reason, beautiful places bring out the crazy in people for some some reason. And I don't I don't quite get it. Florida specifically, we've found has a special type of crazy and, and a and special we, place in my heart. I know <laughs> Dalton's a big Florida guy. So when we, whenever, whenever any of these guys end up in Florida, I'm like, here we go again. This is this is what's going to happen. It's like the Wild West with cocaine <laughs> <laughs> and laws so that they can't seize your house if you if you get busted doing shady shit. So, of course, everybody buys these huge homes there. Um, all right, let me just play this real quick. Hello and welcome. You've probably heard of Scientology. In fact, every six seconds, someone searches the question, what is Scientology? There's a lot of talk about us and we get it. <laughs> there he is. That is a lie. <laughs> I just love one thing I do true. love watching. I mean, there's 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 a, there's quite a bit of stuff on him. He's got that like Philly tough accent. You know, it's not quite New York, but it's like, yeah, you want to talk about it? Like, go talk. We'll go around the corner. We'll, we'll have a little conversation. We'll talk about Scientology. This is Scientology. And it's not I can, do, I can nail New York. I can't quite get Philly. He's always got a lot of reverb on his voice, too, if you ever noticed. Yeah, he definitely, they dropped the bass. He likes, quick. He likes rooms with hard surfaces. <laughs> Lots of marble and, and big light fixtures and just really over-the-top shit. All of it looks like terrible hotels. Um, but yeah, so David Miscavige story opens with an asthma attack. Um, he, as a kid, suffered from them his entire life. And these were like really nasty asthma attacks. I mean, like to the point where young David would turn blue in the face, according to his, his dad. And they tried everything. They couldn't figure out how to help. They tried medicine. They went to a bunch of doctors. They'd sit in a, a room with like hot water running in the tub, like thinking that the steam will help. It. Nothing helped. Nothing at all. Until one day, his dad, Ron, decided maybe Scientology will cure my son. Like I've <laughs> not kidding. <laughs> the grifter got grifted. It's always at these really desperate points. That's when I, I think, I think they should have tried an all beef diet. I think that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> you, Jordan. Listen, Peterson. David, have you tried keto? <laughs> <laughs> so they, um, so Ron, 
David's dad was doing, he he had just started kind of dabbling in Scientology and he was like, well, we've tried everything else. Maybe this is all in his head. And if we do an audit with my, with my young son, then we will figure out what's going on and, and, and fix it. So the next time David started having an asthma attack, Ron threw him in the car. They went down to the Scientology center and he had a, he participated in a 45 minute auditing session which apparently did the trick and it cured David of his asthma. Like he never had another serious asthma attack, according to his dad, who even to this day, this is a guy who has left Scientology, left it in 2012. He still tells this story almost word for word. So like, even though he's not in the church, he still kind of believes in some of the stuff that's which Ron Miscavige passed away in uh, 2021. Oh, did he? I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. We're part of we're like we are connected with the anti-Scientology community because we do an hour of Scientology content a week and we can't do it without being connected with that community. Right. right. So, yeah, it's something that maybe it's why you had me on the show, because I will know things. <laughs> this is no, this is good. This is this is the kind of stuff because I didn't our <laughs> yeah. RIP to that guy. He wasn't you know, he did bad things just like everybody else who was in yeah. the cult and left. But, you know, he tried to tried to make up for like the harm he had done after he got out. So good on him. I also get the sense that he like. He, you know, I mean, and I think a lot of people do this. They enter Scientology with the best intentions, right? Like he's looking after his family. He wants to, you know, do right by his kid. And his kid has got this, this health problem that he, you know, that he, he's hopeless. Like he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to turn. So well, desperate people do desperate things. So I'm not really faulting him at all for running to a church because nothing else is helping. Well, if it was happening to your kid too, you'd be looking for everything out of the sun, anything, anything anything um so yeah so that like once this happens ron it really kind of like doubles down his belief in scientology and he takes off packs up the whole family they move to the uk and they start working in one of the scientology centers the big i think it's like the european headquarters that was in that was in england so at this time was the center it was the uh main center at the church in florida or was it in the uk at this point it's saint hill at that point i believe was the main saint hill in the uk was the yep, main uh, in the uk okay or it might have been centered in los angeles at the time it just depends when like the exact year but i think that i think it was saint hill at the time because yeah. Elon was in saint hill yep i think you're right i think it was that was why he went there because that was the big headquarters gotcha okay it changes a few times and sometimes it's just the sea which is the headquarters <laughs> that, that's a, that's the best part of the Elron story unfortunately i bet you couldn't get david miscavige on that boat for like oh, more than a day or two you don't want nothing to do oh, with are we that talking sequor sea org we will yeah, yeah, yeah. okay but i mean they were really on a boat they had several boats they were out there and they sounded miserable El- elron talked about a prison planet but he just ended up building a couple prison boats for people <laughs> <laughs> Um, so David was nine years old when they moved to the UK. Um, he like immediately took to Scientology and when he was 12, he became, and and they keep these kind of records, the 4,867th Scientologist to go clear. They, they're that spe- they keep records of all of that oh i guess every single yeah they were very specific about very that. specific that was, that was his number <laughs> that is a very scientology thing to know by the way like down to like you, you're not like oh i was the fir- with the first five thousand clears no it's a very scientology thing to know that number exactly they just now, what keep- extent do you have to go through these courses to, or these audits to get clear well, we'll we'll touch on that because I actually the, the diagram of all of like the, the different steps and, and processes I've got it. It's it's just wild. It's very, very wild. But, you know, 
going clear is one of the earlier steps, but it does have, there's quite a bit that you have to do to get to that point. So, you know, you, you, it's basically you're, you have no reactive mind is what Elron Hubbard said, which is oh, like, it would take me forever to get clear. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's definitely like, uh, it's before they tell you about the space alien shit, yep. but it's definitely after you've already been kind of hooked. Yeah. You spent all this money and then like, Oh, well I'm yeah. here now. <laughs> yep. Um, so by the time he was, oh, that was when he was 12, sorry. And he starts to audit people at 12 years old. So this is like the child prodigy. Could get him you young. imagine this little twerp sitting in the room with you? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So um, by the time he was 15, they'd moved back to, to the U.S. They were outside of Philly. And this is when I think the true David Miskovich comes out and where he, he starts to complain that all the high schoolers that he goes to school with are doing too many drugs. Oh, you little fucking, come on, you little snitch. What are you doing? <laughs> so he complains to his dad and he says, you know, he goes, I, I find it. Um, what is he? What's the word? Oh, he finds it appalling. That's his, his quoted oh, word. <laughs> maybe, maybe David, if you would have did some drugs, maybe this would have turned way different. <laughs> I knew this was the point where I was like, Dalton's going to hate him from the very beginning. Like usually, <laughs> usually we have a pattern here, Dave, <laughs> Dave, like where he'll, Dalton is like, I kind of like this guy. I like this guy. And then there's a point where it just turns and he's like, I don't like this guy anymore. Fuck this guy. But I was like, this one immediately, this is going to be the guy that Dalton bullied in school. Oh, dude, I wouldn't bully nobody in school. You should have seen me. I looked like I was 12. So I was a senior in high school, man. It was, it was rough. Um, so Ron was super supportive uh, of his son and what he wanted to do. And so when David came to him and said, I want to drop out of high school and move to Clearwater because that had at that time was now the new epicenter of Scientology. His dad was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, this is what you want to do. This is how you want to dedicate your life. Go for it. So on his, David's 16th birthday, he packed up and moved to Florida all on his own to, to join Scientology full time and work for them. Being on your own at 16 is a wild concept to, to begin with. But leaving your home to go try to head this cult down in Florida. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's church, right? So you're you're living with and are surrounded by people that share your belief system. Right. And that's your sense of community. And I mean, that's a big reason I think that anybody stays in a church or a cult or at QAnon, you know, like it's, there's that need for some sort of community around you. And it's, I think it's just human, a human thing. Some of these organizations are just way worse than others. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, but- not for nothing, like depending on what part of Philly they were in, there might have also been some reasons he wanted to leave for a place yep. where the complexion was a little bit different. Yep. And uh, there ain't uh, nothing. There ain't no two places where the complexion is different than Philadelphia and the inside of the Scientology Center in fucking <laughs> Clearwater. <laughs> for sure. And I mean, given a lot of L. L. Ron Hubbard's beliefs, there was, yeah, there's, there's definitely a, a, a streak of that going through this. Um, so, uh, you know, LRH had been on the run from various charges, criminal charges in a bunch of different countries since the latter part of the 60s. <laughs> that's putting it. That's that's the most succinct way I can put it. But um, he was was at sea running basically from country to country, trying to find places that would take him in um, when he eventually ran out of safe ports to harbor in and came back to the United States in 1975. And that's when he came to Clearwater. He was just like, I, I can't go. There's nowhere else I can go. I got to go back to the United States. Um, this when is you're kinda... on the run like that. Like what? 
at what point, like, you, if he comes to the United States, he would face charges, right? If yeah, he got so, caught. Oh, he goes into hiding immediately. Okay. Immediately comes to the United States, goes into hiding, and he kind of disappears from the story for the most part. Like he may come, LRH may come up again, but we're going to kind of shift over to David for the most part. Gotcha. So you know how, like, when they're like, oh, we found the fugitives, I don't know, Ford Bronco or whatever. Well, they're like, we found this dude's big ass boat. We can't find him. <laughs> Seems like he just disappeared all the trace. I don't know what happened. Yeah. And he's running too, man. He was in a bunch of cities. He was, he was all over the place trying to stay ahead of the law. And, and he actually does, which is the really surprising thing. Um, but he, he really remains free. Everybody else that he's talked to or anything deals with goes down at a certain point, but not him. Well, they um, just probably hit him in the same place he hit his wife. It's, it's fine. We'll get to that. See, this is going to be an episode <laughs> that you know more about than any of the other ones. So you've kind of got a leg up on this, which is, I'm like, oh, he, he knows more than, than he usually does. Um, <laughs> so... They're I'm clear just a sample boy from Georgia. I don't know a lot of stuff, but I know about Scientology. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring socialism to South Georgia. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so um, they're in Florida. David's down there now, and he joins the Sea Org almost immediately. 16 years old. That's a great age to indoctrinate anybody. So he's there. Um, and he moved up the ranks really quickly. Uh, his father claims that within... Uh, just seven months after joining the Sea Org, that David was working directly for uh, L. Ron Hubbard, which is impressive. And you yeah. see, that's a big thing that he's very good at, is just sort of jumping over other people and and getting power, amassing power very quickly. I'm, I'm sensing like a lot of teacher's pet energy from yeah, uh, big, David Miskovich. Big teacher's pet energy, yeah. Huge teacher's pet, yeah. Elrond, what would you need, Mr. Elrond? I got you, Mr. Elrond. I'm going to get this. Okay. In fact, to this day, he sort of has, like, if you see David Miscavige interacting with Tom Cruise, you get a little bit of the teacher's pet energy because he he really, really, really wants to be like Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a fucking suck up. He's a, that's exactly (laughs) the slimy little suck up. Um, So he, unbeknownst to David at this point, the church had been involved with a project they dubbed Operation Snow White. Dave, you're probably gonna have a lot to throw in on this one. <laughs> this one, this shit was crazy. Um, basically, in 1973, LRH wants um, to infiltrate the United States government and purge all of these government departments of anything negative towards Scientology. So records and documents and all this, this like anything that shines a negative light on Scientology, he wants spies, essentially Scientology spies that work in government jobs to start just, you know, destroying these records. And this you is know, like completely normal stuff. Oh, absolutely. Not deranged <laughs> at all. It's like a, it's like an episode of burn notice. That's all. <laughs> just like uh early 2000s usa drama burn notice that's exactly that's exactly it was it was madcap there was you know it was it was fun it was fun the, the police just kind of ignored it all it watch was the, here's the wacky cult leader and his and his his team of sleuths going into these but i mean the, they, the the scope of this thing was massive they managed to infiltrate 136 government agencies and were um, there. It's really hard to get an exact number on this, but the number that's turned around is that they had something like five thousand people working in this operation to collect all these documents. That's impressive. It is <laughs> to I I don't know if it's to this date, but at the time it was the largest domestic espionage in the history of the United States. <laughs> that's incredible. 
how could you how could you surpass that i mean with the with, with the internet and stuff you couldn't ever surpass that because they'd catch yeah. you no it's they'd true catch you so I mean, do you do it'd you, be do very you, tough to surpass would it be like i mean is snowden i mean obviously i wouldn't call him domestic espionage but i think people in the government would yeah somebody else might um but there know, was only one of him that's true that is true it wasn't a network was thinking yeah it's that's impressive what did, did they did they go in there like hello fellow government workers ignore the <laughs> thousand yard stare i am here to do government work what it's what it actually seemed like was that a lot of people already worked in government and that i mean this is scientology when it had like this like cool new religious movement vibe going on and they were like this is self-help and so people signed up for it and i think i think there were just a lot of people that were in the church that already worked in government that's um, yeah, funny i actually don't know that much about this operation this operation snow white i that's i'm definitely more up to speed on like modern scientology i know about this but there's not like not like a lot of good man there should be like a like a they should do like a a high quality documentary on this because it would be it would be serious serious subject matter and there's a lot there's a lot to chew on there this is like scientology's watergate see i think it was like what dave said they walked in there with a thousand yard stare but there's already several men in black, not the 1990s comedy with Will Smith, but like the, uh, you know, the other men in black, the alien men in black, they're dressed up like humans. So they have this weird, <laughs> like almost not human like quality and they're already in the government. So they walk in, they're like, okay, this is completely normal. Just let them in. Just let them in. Wave them in. And just look, look at these nice folks that, that are not telling us what they're belief system is because i mean we don't know that the men in black weren't weren't with scientology right that's also true we don't know for sure i think we just figured out the men in black (laughs) (laughs) scientology propaganda that we just like consumed (laughs) (laughs) that's it xeno created the the xenu created the mind wipe tools that you see in there um that's that's what you get when when you give them like 300 grand or 400 grand they give you one of those that's yeah, it man exactly <laughs> uh so uh in it didn't take long right they started this thing up in 1973 uh 1976 the fbi kind of caught wise to it it was a really convoluted story i ended up leaving it out on how they actually caught wise to it it was like they caught two of these guys that were in a government building and they asked him for id and one of the guys gave him the real id the other guy gave him a fake id and they were like something's wrong we gotta start looking into this but a year later, the FBI ended up raiding the church's headquarters. So the gig was up. They were like, um, "This is this is not this is not okay." We figured this out. Um, so LRH is concerned above everything else about LRH, and he seemed to always have a contingency plan. And so what he had done is he forms this new organization because this is what he does. He just forms these like organizations within Scientology. It's very, it's very like managerial but not really because it's just like i need to save my ass let me get a bunch of people together to figure out how to do that so he puts this together this organization called the commodore's messenger organization and it was taken out of like some of the elite members of the sea org and they were basically his assistants they worked for him directly and they relayed messages back and forth right so he knew shit hit the fan he was like i'm nowhere near Clearwater." But I need someone who's going to, you know, record, like take my my memos back to the church so everybody knows that I'm still in touch, even if I'm not there. That's barely better than having a can with a string. <laughs> right. Well, guess who uh, he named as the head of that little organization? Who would that be? David Miscavige. 
So mm. at this point, Miscavige is like his right hand man. He's doing everything. Like he's the voice of LRH. So yes, Papa. <laughs> yeah. He's like, LRH said this, and everybody just has to go, okay, sure, absolutely. Thanks, David. Which is <laughs> I, I mean, that's a lot of power. And this guy's young. It's a I mean, lot of power. Yeah, he's 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 in he's not even 20 at this point, uh, and he's like the right hand man for the entire church. Um, so in 1978, uh, 11 high ranking members of the church, including Mary Sue Hubbard, wife of L. Ron Hubbard, were indicted and she was sentenced to five years in prison in 1979. So they got busted and LRH is like, take my wife. I'll see you later. Didn't get caught. He <laughs> just shoved her out the door, ran out the back. <laughs> kind of what it feels like. Uh, and she was essentially like the number two person in Scientology at that point. And now she's in jail. She's going to jail. Um, so LRH is, you know, obviously concerned still because, you know, he thinks that the heat is still on him and he's right. So he takes off again, goes into deep cover. And there are only two human beings that see him alive for the rest of his life. And it's this married couple named uh, Pat Broker or Brocker and his wife, Annie. I mean, he doesn't see his wife for the rest of his life. He doesn't see his ki- his children. Just like, he doesn't see anybody but these two people. Like they are his entire social and circle. Those two people are the only accounts of this, right? Yeah. Yep. So do you think they're telling the truth? Yeah, I think so. Cause they, they eventually left the church. And so they, they, they spoke out against the church at the, at the gotcha. end. Okay. Think, well, the, yeah. They're probably telling the truth as they remember it. Cause not for nothing. Right. Like think about being in that situation where you're in a cult and you're the only line of communication for the fugitive leader. It's going to scramble your brain in some kind of way. So oh, you're, 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 you you're not going to have, you're not going to have like perfect recollection. You don't have perfect recollection of things anyway, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to be the truth as they know it. They don't seem they don't seem like liars. Yeah. yeah. And they, and they, I mean, and, you know, Miskovich f- knew that they were a, a liability. Right. And I mean, once they left the church and I don't, I don't remember the exact year that they left it. He's got private detectives following them for almost the next 20 years. Like they follow him. I'm stunned. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> and they follow him. Like he moves to, I think Montana. And then he goes to, um, He's in Prague for a while, and they follow him and just monitor every move because just they constantly know. looking at the blondes. Yeah, <laughs> these guys, these these two are a big liability. We got to make sure that we don't, they're not up to anything and they're not talking to the wrong people. Um, but I mean, David, again, like if he's a superpower, it's like his thirst and pursuit of power, right? Like that's what he does. It's like he's built for that kind of thing, and so um, I, I actually think it's like the timing lines up where I think. Had he not gone into Scientology, had he been one of these like Wall Street greed is good douchebags, he would have done very, very well. Just that hungry for power and absolutely really driven capitalistic attitude towards life. In the Reagan 80s, man, he would have made a fucking killing. He would have made a killing had he not joined a cult and taken over. I mean, really, it's I, I, I don't I, the more I read. Oh, about I'm him, sure he still made a killing. <laughs> Well, and that's going to become a lot more true than you think. <laughs> so he used David used LRH vanishing and now Mary Sue going to prison to like strike. He's like, this is the time. This is the perfect opportunity. Leadership is in crisis. Let's do it. Um, LRH had actually had David set up an all clear unit again, another unit. And basically, this unit was just to make it so that Elron H. Elron Hubbard could eventually come out of hiding. So he's like, "All right, 
I'm on the lamb. I need you to do whatever you need to do, David, to make sure that I can emerge again and be the leader of Scientology and not get in a ton of trouble. So David Miscavige is like, yes, sir. I absolutely <laughs> do whatever it takes. Um, and so he basically convinces Mary Sue Hubbard to give up control of Scientology. He's like, this is the best thing. This is what your husband wants. She hasn't talked to her husband. She doesn't know what he actually wants, right. but I think that you should give up control of uh, of the, the organization. And I think the Sea Org, which he led at the time, should now be in charge of everybody, right? So <laughs> begrudgingly, she, she would eventually give up uh, control. She wrote L- LRH a letter. He never responded. I don't know if he ever got, he actually got it. It was very possible that, Miscavige was like, no, 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 you're not going to get this. Throw this away. <laughs> He's like, give, give me the letter. I'll make sure she gets it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll make My sure scouts, she gets it. I mean, scouts honor, Scientologist honor. I'm not <laughs> sure it gets there. Um, so it, she writes to LRH. He never writes back. She's just like fine, I guess this is what he wanted. You know, he's not, he's not, you know, giving me any sort of clemency for, for what I've done. Um, so he takes over. I mean, that's, that's really when it happened. He is now the number two guy below LRH. I mean, he's, he's running all the daily operations. And with Elrond gone and hiding, he's basically the guy. Right. Because he can make up whatever he wants about Elrond because exactly. people think that he's the connection. And so he can say, Elrond said to do this. And everybody's like, okay, yeah, Melron said to do that. Right. Do yes, it. Sir. Let's, let's do it. This is, uh, none of this would work in the internet age. None of it would work, right? <laughs> this is all, all of this depends on not having internet connection. Yeah. The dang woke millennials ruin cults. God damn it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, um, in 82, I'm just going to jump a little forward. David marries a uh, fellow Sea Org member, Michelle. Shelly Barnett, you alluded to her earlier. She's going to play a big role in, in some of this. Um, she was also a member of the CMO. And when I was doing research, and I never heard this before, Dave, maybe, maybe you had, I didn't know the story about Shelly's mom. And so Shelly's mom was also part of the church and she, um, she died in 1985. She was 52 years old. She was found dead and she had been shot three times in the chest and once in the side of the head by a rifle. That's a big, long gun. Yeah, um, I'd never I'd never heard about this, but not not surprised that you uh, the place you found the uh, information about this was the Village Voice. They oh, yeah, did, they Tony did Ortega <laughs> did a lot. Yeah, they did a lot of good work on the cult of Scientology. They really the did. Man, they did. A, they had a, their run as a as a paper was just fantastic when they were on fire um so the weirdness kind of started there so this is like dave just said from the village voice after performing an autopsy however medical examiner joan shipley decided that barnett's death was a suicide and this is in quotes the case is that of a 52 year old woman who died as a result of multiple gunshot wounds which were self-inflicted reads shipley's report which came out more than a month after the incident so where was she shot again Three times in the chest and one in the side of the head. How the fuck? No. <laughs> no, no, no. 52-year-old woman. I'm just thinking, how do you shoot yourself? If, if, how do you shoot yourself four times? Like, right. Like, how do you shoot one? Ow, that hurt. <laughs> yeah, I got to keep going. Got to make sure it counts. It, 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 that's, I mean, the fact that they, they labeled it a suicide, is just one of the bigger kind of audacious things. Um, now there's a lot 
of nuance to the story, right? There's a lot of other stuff. Like you can, you can simply say, Hey, it was four times and suicide, but looked suspicious, but she had been having, um, depression. She had recently had a, uh, a surgery and afterwards she kind of like, I think it crossed her wires a little bit and she just kind of wasn't the same. Um, she had attempted to slice her wrists the days before and her daughter Camille claimed that she had caught her mother writing suicide notes and then like quickly hiding them away when she entered the room. But Okay, that's one story. And that may lead a coroner, like if they, you know, if the police interview her and the coroner right. finds out about it, that could lead to that that conclusion. But there's another angle involving David. And this is again from the Village Voice. He said, over the years, David Miscavige's detractors have raised the strange details of his mother-in-law's death to suggest that he or the church may have had some reason to want her dead. In a 1994 affidavit in, in a court case growing out of the massive legal morass following Time Magazine's 1991 cover story, um, former, uh, we, we will talk about that, former high-ranking church executive Vicki Asnarin uh, testified that Barnett had become part of an embarrassing splinter group that had rejected Miscavige's leadership of Scientology. So she's like, I don't believe you. I don't think this is the right, the, what actually was and David said, she gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> She's yeah. got to go. So uh, it said, Flo Barnett's membership in this group made her a suppressive person as she was actively squirreling, and, which is a term that they use for people that, that are trying to convince other people to leave um, and, and get out of the room. <laughs> uh, more specifically for people who are, let's say, practicing Scientology without a license. Mm. So if you're... A squirrel would be like if I was doing independent Scientology. That's they don't like that. what the term means. They send squirrel busters to your place of business if you're doing squirrel Scientology. Busters. With it. I'm not even kidding. Look up squirrel busters <laughs> on YouTube sometime. It's, the videos are wild. Wow. Okay. You know, they have like t-shirts. I've seen some with t-shirts. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They have t-shirts. <laughs> they, they have like the spelunking hats with a GoPro on them. I'm not kidding. It's, it's crazy. It's so weird. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Basically, she was she was they called her a squirrel. They said she had to go. It was embarrassing. <laughs> it, it, it was embarrassing because, I mean, she's the mother of David Miscavige's wife. Like she heard her daughter is married to the guy who's second in command. So that that's kind of the conspiracy theory. I don't know where I fall on this, but I just I, I'd never heard it before. So I was like, hey, this is kind of weird. Right. So do you think uh, David's wife was in the know? on this you think he maybe he told her what was up what was going on not that he didn't allegedly kill his mother-in-law allegedly I, allegedly the first thought that i kind of thought was that maybe her mother was convincing her that david is a bad dude you know or, or not legitimate and i think that that made him a little nervous if i that like i said i don't have any way to I, I don't know what actually happened but i i would that feels like after reading enough about this guy that feels like something that would really threaten his, his position yeah big time uh well so then it happens lrh dies in 1986 rest in piss yep pretty much <laughs> fucking weirdo um this is a very strange announcement of his death that i want to play real quick and this is david announcing to a, a giant congregation of scientologists that the founder the prophet the commodore was dead he has now moved on to his next ot level of ot research this level is beyond anything any one of us ever imagined this level is in fact done in an exterior state meaning that it is done completely exterior from the body 
At this level of OT, the body is nothing more than an impediment and encumbrance to any further gain as an OT. Thus, thus, at 2,000 hours Friday, the 24th of January, A.D. 36, L. Ron Hubbard discarded the body he had used in this lifetime for 74 years, 10 months, and 11 days. The body he had used to facilitate his existence in this mess universe had ceased to be useful and in fact had become an impediment to the work he now must do outside of its confines. That is so creepy. Totally normal, totally regular so behavior. Fucking weird. It's so weird. But it tracks with like them tracking everything, writing every recording everything, knowing exactly how many days and minutes and years and like all of that is so like them. Very there, Scientologist. <laughs> there's video of that whole event, and we watched the whole event on Did stream. You? The whole event was just very odd. It is. It very, is so very odd. It's so weird. It's so, so, so weird. Um, so before, shortly before he died, the story goes, is he actually issued an order that circulated through the Sea Org. And it was announced that Pat and Annie Broker or Brocker were actually supposed to be promoted to the new rank of loyal officer. And this would make them the highest ranking officers and thus the successor, the successors oof, um, to LRH himself. And this makes a lot of sense because these are the only two people that LRH has spent any time around in person for years now. Right. right? So he trusts them more than anybody else. And I think it's it's telling that he trusts them because he chose those two people to disappear with. Um, and so he, he sends out this memo, starts to circulate. David asserts that this order had been forged and manages to convince enough people that of that. little squirrely fuck not to go back through the squirrels, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he so he convinces enough people and they go, yeah, you know what? You're right. It's probably a forgery. David is the new leader of Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> that easy, huh? <laughs> That's easy. He is uh, 26 years old when he takes over Scientology. Jesus Christ, dude. 26. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You know, it's we, we talked about this a little bit in the James Strang episode. Like these cults don't have very good succession planning. And even when there is something in place. All it takes is like one shady guy to fuck up everything, right? You oh know, yeah. Like it was in, in 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 Mormon, you know, in the Mormon Church, there was no secession plan, and there were like I was seven about guys. to say this sounds very Mormon. <laughs> well, this just sounds like that that point where um, where Joseph Smith dies, and then there's like a mad race to figure out who's in charge. But, <laughs> I'm the leader. No, I'm the leader. <laughs> right. I have a cannon and a pirate ship, and then we'll blow you up. Go see the James Strang episode. It's actually. One of my favorite ones we've done. Yeah. Um, so he has consolidated his power. And this is kind of what, as I was reading this, I was like, Scientology is actually a lot like Apple computer. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense in both Dude, cults, you know? No, okay. That's not, that was not my angle. So, yeah. hey, it, listen, I'll, I'll see, let's check that energy on Christmas whenever I become part of the Green Bubble Gang. Okay. <laughs> You've been threatening it for a while. Um, but, you know, Apple, so his company is built by the founder, right? By the guy who everybody believed in, Steve Jobs, right? He's the, right. He's the guy. He's the ideas guy. He's the, the, you know, the guru. He's the, he's like the visionary for this brand. And then, when he dies, a guy named Tim Cook takes over, right? And Tim Cook is not a visionary. I don't care who you are. He's he's a manager, right? He's a guy that goes in and restructures things and finds, you know, um, finds 
inconsistency, finds ways to improve business. He refines the business. Like he's not out there dreaming up new products that are just going to revolutionize the way that everybody lives in the same way that Steve Jobs is. And that's kind of how I feel about LRH and Miscavige. Like LRH was a visionary. This was his dream to put this thing together. Miscavige comes in there and he's like, you know what? We're going to kind of mess, tweak things around and shift people around and do org charts and get really organized and more resemble like a business than one guy's personal fantasy of a cult. So you guys have recor- recruited a lot of cult members this quarter. We're going to reward you with a pizza party. <laughs> exactly. He's like, management is not happy. <laughs> we you, think a- they, you think anybody in that church ever got a pizza party? Yeah, after exactly. Miscavige came in. No. You want to talk about a, a, a little dictator. This was the guy. Um, but he, he he definitely is like of that that managerial class, like where he's just like he's PMC. Yeah, P, exactly. It's PMC. <laughs> Professional managerial class. That is 100 percent David Miscavige. Um, and this is what happens when you reward a PMC with a cult. <laughs> this is exactly how things go wrong. Um, um so it um, a little bit really quick, because we hit on this a little bit, um, but I want to just talk about how the church makes its money up to this point, right? Because we're a show about grifters making money. This is important. Um, I think what, what sets them apart from other churches is that most churches offer their doctrine upfront, right? You go to a church. Eh. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would say doctrine, maybe not actual intentions you know? right, okay. like, like you you can go into a, a a christian church and have access to the bible right it's there right. you can read it you can do all of that that's not what these guys do right so like imagine going to church and they start talking let's let's go through the old testament because you know i love the old testament um that's because i think it's you love that hellfire brimstone Fuck god yeah man the big <laughs> floods i love killing everybody i don't love killing everybody but i like stories <laughs> hey man you said it <laughs> But I like it's imagine like so you the 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 priest is priest or preacher whatever is giving a sermon and they're they're telling you the story up to the great flood right and then they go okay so to learn any more past what happened like we here he is Noah he's got all the different animals on this big ark um, and that's that's the end of the story to learn more give us three thousand dollars and we will reveal more of the story to you. That's that's not something any place any other place does, any other religion does, any other group does. I don't They're know. Like, we kind of do that. You can find more bonus content at patreon.com slash if you catch my drift. <laughs> but uh, we're not a religion. Although I pre- maybe I we'll, pretend we'll to do one. that. I pretend to do that. But if anybody knows how like Twitch works, that doesn't even work because like they could just get the replay and just replay. And they'd be like, I, I just, I just didn't give you $5. <laughs> also, you were giving me stuff that I already had access to. You were like, here, take this. Here's the extended version. I was like, I'm, I, I'm on your Patreon. I, I'm there. Oh, you're I'm, on my Patreon. I yeah, I'm on that. your Patreon. I'm supporting you. I don't I'm pay, support- I don't, I, I don't pay any attention to the people over there. Cause there's only like 11 of them. Well, <laughs> so- yeah. Cause I was, well, and I realized that after I did it, I was like, he's making his money on Twitch. That's where yeah. you, you are much more of a streamer than like a traditional podcast and then, and which is cool, but you are up way later than I am because you're on the West coast. (laughs) We're the, we're, we're the we're the last one standing usually on <laughs> the night twitch is the right twitch you know yeah <laughs> you're like i'm not gonna get started until about nine um in pacific and i'm like i'm gonna be in bed <laughs> i'm done some people have a regular life i understand <laughs> well so 
they so basically you pay for to, to unlock knowledge right that's the easiest way for me to do it and they've got all these crazy levels and all this organization and i just want to bring up really quick i want to show you this document that it's called the bridge which is short for the bridge to total freedom and this is like all the different levels you're not going to be able to see everything dalton but i just want to give you an idea of like how complicated this shit is so you can see here you've got these ot levels the operating thetan levels you've got all i mean like this is a massive document. Here's here's where you go clear. Jeez, you have to do so much to get clear. Yeah. And you have to pay at every single level for every single training, for every single class you have to pay. So you can see how people pay all of this fucking money. And we'll put this on sunshine rundown. <laughs> wow. It is crazy. This is perfect for an audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> We'll post this somewhere. We'll post it on Twitter. Or yeah, put it, put it, in, the it in the show notes. Yeah, keep a, keep a lookout for the. What do they Twitter. say? On, what do they say on real podcasts? A link will be in the show notes. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky if you get my notes in there. If I remember to put them in when we post this podcast, uh, we try. Um, so yeah, so it's it, it's it's a that's that's their big scam, right? That they that you have to pay to progress in the organization to get more prestige and learn more, and it actually works because it's like. It's billed as a self-help. It's like Call of Duty, prestige. Once you get to prestige, <laughs> prestige blah, 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 blah. Once you get to prestige 70, you get the gold camo. Exactly. And that's going clear. Yep. But I mean, you also, by the time they start talking about Xenu and aliens and, and all this shit. Sunk cost fallacy time. You think, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you've, you've put so much money into it that you're like. Because even if you're like, you got to be shitting me, you think to yourself, this is where all my friends are. This is where my job is. This is like I've already given these people either either you've given them a lot of money or you've donated an unreasonable amount of your time or both. And then they tell you this wild story about what happened was it 13 trillion years ago, like a time frame that no, (laughs) no astrophysicist thinks is possible, maybe. But. They just tell you this wild story about like volcanoes and the souls of overpopulated aliens and in their in their story that God character kind of is like actually the bad guy. Right. <laughs> and it's you just living it's, in it's a volcano. A wild, like when they it's like, like when people this. showed when they when people first saw the South Park thing, they're like, that can't be what Scientology believes. I'm like, yeah, that's literally <laughs> the, the operating Thetan level three. They tell you this. It's like yep. if the Sith had the galaxy forever. Yeah. <laughs> My question is, all of this now is a readily available information. We know what the end game, like what their God is, how it happened, how we emerged, blah, blah, blah. What is the point right now in 2022 for somebody entering Scientology? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll uh, get but to I can that. just tell you real quick, you have a point. They're finding it very hard to recruit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll kind of, I think we'll close on kind of the current state of Scientology, um, just because gotcha. that makes maybe Real the only scam. Maybe, yeah, maybe <laughs> the only highlight of this entire story. Um, so it, they've got the, the auditing, right? And, the, and progressing in the church. That's, that's the thing. That's what Elrond set up, right? But David comes in and he kind of adds a little bit more to it. He, uh, in the 80s, he adds a new revenue stream. And it's no longer was, they were they just charging money for auditing, but they were straight up asking for donations. They were going, "Hey, we have all these enemies. They're all out to get us. Oh, this no. is what we believe in." It's the Send Alex Jones 
concept. It is and absolutely all the comes around. I have these enemies. We don't have the funds to last another year. I need you to donate. <laughs> it's a hundred percent that it's a hundred percent. All that. of these supplements. <laughs> yep. They were, but they, I mean, Alex at least sells something. These, these people are just straight up going, we need to fund our legal battles against our enemies. We need to, <laughs> we need your money to pay for all of these things because people are after us. They got stuff that'll whack your brain permanently. <laughs> You're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, They've they've changed up their money making, but it didn't take long until their enemies launched an attack upon them. Big quote marks, big air quotes on that. Um, in in 1991, enemies. yeah, in 1991, Time Magazine published a cover story titled "The Thriving Cult of Greed and Power," and it was an investigative piece. And this is 91. This is really early. Like this, no one was on Scientology's beat that I could tell. My mom has this from when it came out because she was that, always interested in cults and like high control groups and stuff. That is so cool. That is so cool. To have She's got, I think it, it might still be on like a, the, a table somewhere in, in her house. <laughs> That's really awesome. Um, it, so this is investigation, uh, an investigative piece into Scientology by this journalist named Richard Behar. Um, highly, highly critical, by the way, obviously. They just they absolutely saw Scientology for what it was early on. Um, to give you an idea of the tone of this piece, I want to read you the first two paragraphs from the piece. This is like right out of the gate. This is what this is saying. By all appearances, Noah Lodick of Kingston, Pennsylvania, had been a normal, happy 24-year-old who was looking for his place in the world. On the, on the day last June, when his parents drove to New York City to claim his body, they were nearly catatonic with grief. The young Russian studies scholar had jumped from a 10th floor window of the Milford Plaza Hotel and bounced off the hood of a stretch limousine. Jesus when, Christ. Yeah, yeah. When the police arrived, his fingers were still clutching $171 in cash, virtually the only money he hadn't yet turned over to the Church of Scientology. The self-help, quote, uh, philosophy group that he had discovered just seven months earlier. His death inspired his father, Edward, a physician, to start his own investigation of the church. And this is in quotes. We thought Scientology was something like Dale Carnegie, Loddick says. I now believe it's a school for psychopaths. Their so-called therapies are manipulations. They take the best and brightest people and destroy them. The Loddicks want to sue the church for contributing to their son, son's death, but the prospect has them frightened. For nearly 40 years, the big business of Scientology has shielded itself exquisitely behind the First Amendment, as well as a battery of high-priced criminal lawyers and shady private detectives. Accurate. Every word of that, 100%. And it's awful. And it's the first two paragraphs. So, I mean, the the intent of the uh, author, this is is probably... You know, pretty good journalism but also the intent of the author was clearly an advocacy piece yeah for the victims and the people inside of the cult and scientology right. didn't like that at all oh boy <laughs> if there was at the, people like maybe some of the younger viewers the younger listeners i'm sorry might not understand that in 1991 we the the internet was in its infancy it was like a baby time magazine was big shit Yep. It, like you could not not see Time Magazine. There was no way Scientology was going to be able to shield its members from just seeing the cover of this and it being called the Cult of Greed. So they were pissed. 
Yep. So at this point, people didn't really recognize it as a religion. They thought it was like a self-help group. It disguised itself. It said they were self-help. It said it was a church, right? They always considered themselves right. a church, but it was a church that you could join. It was started in, you know, the 50s, get into the 60s. And it was like, oh, we're these help, self-help guys. You know, it's very like hippy dippy kind of thing. And it wasn't that at all, but that's how they sold and, it. it. It never really was. It was always like a high demand, high control group. It's just that because of the time that it came out of people sort of lumped it in with like new age sort of like almost like with the timothy leary kind of yep. stuff yep but it was Absolutely. definitely definitely more more like the moonies or like heaven's gate in the okay. way that it controlled its members and people just didn't know that but also like in the 60s and 70s where there were so many fucking cults that started up and new religious movements like who has the you time know? to keep track of it all without the internet right <laughs> exactly i didn't know the moonies had control of all that shit in new york until i went to new york to visit austin and here's like you see that hotel right there the moonies owned, on that owned by the moonies <laughs> the new yorker hotel on 34th street it's still to this day owned by them and through like a bunch of different weird shell corporations but yeah so that gets published Right. And immediately Scientology just whips up into a fury, obviously. Rot row. Yeah, rot row. <laughs> um, so the church took out a full page ad in USA Today every single weekday for 12 weeks and Total started normal behavior of somebody that's not guilty of anything. <laughs> right? I'm not mad. Don't put in the newspaper that I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, they drag shit like, you know, Time Magazine one year named uh, Hitler man of the year but it wasn't like in praise of hitler it was because it the year that it was i, I don't remember the exact year it was 38 38 that's kind of what i thought it's, it's yeah. in your own notes here i don't let, oh, let's is? not pretend i have like a good recall of history <laughs> Dave, i would have rode that to the moon baby i would have not have nope, let him you're right you're right I, this is what happens if, any, if, if any of my people listen to this they're like that that was written down somewhere Dave, Dave's bullshitting. <laughs> So yeah, so I, I'm I'm riffing on my notes. I'm trying not to rely as much on them as I, as I do. Yeah, so 38, they named Hitler Man of the Year, and so Scientology points out that they're not Nazi sympathizers at Time Magazine, all this crazy shit to distract from what was going on. Um, then after they wrapped up, they had they paid to have a 48 page advertisement circulate with copies of USA Today. There was like 1.8 million of them that circulated. I'm not mad. Don't put in the newspaper a 48 page thing saying that i'm mad yep. Yep. <laughs> and so one thing i learned i i did a stint working for a pr agency and one of the weirder things that i learned is that a lot of the clients of the pr agency love usa today and i always wondered why that was because i'm like that's not when i think reputable news sources that's not one of the first ones that i come to but it turns out that usa one of the usa today's big things is that they're distributed in all these hotels and their their circulation numbers are just massive and so they you know it's a really good tool to get to a lot of people that maybe don't always read the the new york times or the washington post or wall street journal or anything like that so it's a it's a targeted it's a coveted um newspaper because right. you know a lot of people get it all over the world and it's in one of the bigger national newspapers so there they took out a bunch they Gave so you basically, the reason marketing people is that you basically see USA Today without really your permission because if it's yep. just at the hotel. Yep, they just leave it at your door. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's fantastic. That's it. That's that's the true thing that I, I learned in my brief stint and got out of that industry because I was like, this is yucky. I don't like this at all. Um, so 
they the church took this seriously enough that this threat seriously enough that David Miscavige agreed to give his first and only live television interview with Ted Koppel. And Dave, you have an entire episode dedicated to this interview. Yeah, we sometimes on the intellectual dollar tree, we get like covering like the cast of characters from the intellectual dark web. It just gets grueling, right? And sometimes me and HK, we find something that's a little bit off the beaten path, but that we can still kind of relate back in some ways. And so we watched the interview uh, with Ted Koppel and David Miscavige for the intellectual Dollar Tree. And we were able to actually spot like several times where some of the deflection tactics reminded us a lot of people like Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson, Dave Rubin, like yeah. on the rare occasions that these people are uh, asked challenging questions. They'll still make the claims that, oh, people are just out to get me. They're out to impugn my reputation. And that's kind of what Dave Miscavige was doing whenever he was asked tough questions or he would like try to monologue in his answers. Um, episode 28 of the Intellectual Dollar Tree, or if you don't want to listen to two idiots um, <laughs> who, who are probably smoking too much weed, talk about it. You can just find it on YouTube. Just Ted Koppel, uh, David Miscavige into YouTube. It's really interesting. It's a real interesting look back. Also, the bad VHS rip that it came from is just kind of, yeah, uh, kind of warms my heart a little bit. This is now the second time that uh, Ted Koppel shown up on our show. We did an episode uh, with a lighter one and actually a, a, a good grifter. Um, episode about Tammy Faye and the you know the Bakers right after their big scandal blew up were on Ted Koppel trying to defuse the situation. So he's a surprise. You know so my co-host said something about Jim Baker that was funny because she was like she spelled it out and I was like no there's two K's. She's like what did they take the third one out after the war? I was like <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. J- Jim Baker can go fuck himself. Yeah, he certainly can. Him and his buckets of slop. Get the fuck out of here. Jesus Christ. Sure. Yeah. Don't like buckets of slop are a good grift, though, because by the time you need them, society has crumbled and there's nowhere to really return them if they're garbage. And everybody fucking sells them. So I have this idea. And Dave, you can tell me if this is good. I brought this to Austin. Now I want a second opinion Uh for Patreon. I want to get a baker bucket or alex jones bucket or they sell them at walmart like the they August already did this they already bucket. did this on like michael brooks already did this on the majority report but yeah i, I don't think we have to, the same crossover audience as michael brooks though. <laughs> i think what i want to do is take it try it as intended first right then give my review of it and then try to make it into like an actual edible meal like something that's good like i think incorporate it with other things a funner thing to do would maybe be to try everything separately and then just mix everything into one giant fucking trough. No, that is more my brand. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Much. <laughs> not a bucket, not a, not a bowl, a fucking trough. It has to be in a trough. Okay. You you got you can light a couch on fire, like put a trough under over the couch so you can warm everything up. I like it. This is the kind of original thinking we we need. We need this injection. <laughs> All right, let's go back to this Time magazine article. Uh of course the church sues Time magazine for uh, yeah. Yep, for uh 416 million dollars. 416 million dollars. Were their feelings hurt that bad? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they so they sued they sued time, they sued the the journalist and they part of their suit was that this was this article was actually paid for by I want to say Abbott uh pharmaceuticals. 
Yeah, they so they were it was they they were beefing with Abbott at the time. I forget why. I think somebody from Abbott had been like interviewed and mentioned that uh, Scientology was harmful, but they'd kind of mentioned it kind of offhandedly, like it wasn't the point of the interview. And without any real evidence, Scientology claimed that Abbott Pharmaceutical had paid for the article to get published. Right. And uh, if if I understand correctly, that false claim is one of the main reasons the suit got dropped because they were unable to demonstrate that there was any connection to Abbott. And so it just, if you like defamation libel, those are really tough hills to climb in the United right. States anyway. And so you're like, when you fi- start filing, it better be airtight. And if people see that there are like fabrications in the in the filing, it's getting thrown out because right. the, the the First Amendment is applied in a pretty broad way, especially when it comes to public figures, public facing organizations, and journalism. Well, uh, probably point- for the best. At what point is the lawsuit actually for the money, though, or is it for vi- convincing their victims that their enemies actually are out to get them? Both. Well, both. Absolutely yeah. both. Yeah, it's it's a fundraising thing. I mean, in the same way that like Trump stopped the steel stuff was a fundraising thing. You right. know that that it's it's absolutely that. Like this just it's happening. Or Owen Shore raising money for his defense fund. Exactly. Exactly. Or just or like. All these, all of some of your favorite grifters, like refusing to delete a single tweet to get put back on Twitter and then run in the grift while they're being censored. It's, it's, I am being silenced. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. But it also does slowly cost the, the people that they're suing money, right? Like it, it right. ended up costing, uh, time $7.8 million in all the legal fees. So they, I mean, would it would have been great them. if time would have turned around and sued Scientology <laughs> for the losses. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing, I think the other, the tie in with Abbott, from what I understood, is that Scientology is notoriously anti psychiatry, anti mental illness, medication, any of they that. They don't like, believe mental illness exists, right. at least not the way that the scientific community believes it exists. They believe that it's like, some version of like either a character flaw that you can work on yourself or demonic possession through engrams just like my father (laughs) (laughs) yeah who will not listen to this i'm sure ever um (laughs) so they 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 were like you know abbott manufactures all these you know psychological medications that treat depression or you know bipolar disorder all these other things and so they were they this was part of the big conspiracy is that oh we we say these things don't exist this company's entire business model is selling you a cure for something that we say doesn't exist so naturally they're going to put out a hit piece on us Right, but yeah, they, they, again, they mentioned they said that they had like no evidence, not like nothing, thin evidence, none. They had no, no. evidence that because it doesn't look like Abbott had anything to do with it. Yep, you can be creeped out by Scientology and not actually have anything to do with the pharmaceutical industry. It turns out <laughs> it's weird how that works. Um, so the, the, the like Dave said, the the, the um, lawsuits were dismissed. They were just this is bullshit. But again, cost Time Magazine seven point eight million dollars. Uh, but this wasn't the only crisis facing the church. Um, so Scientology had been like most churches had been granted tax exempt status when it was founded in 1956. But two years later, it was revoked because they oh, were like, Uncle Sam came a knocking. <laughs> they knew they were like, even early on, they're like, this is not right. Like something else is going on. Um, but, you know, that it. it, it 
Well, so it was a technicality that LRH decided that I'm just going to fucking ignore. Like, I'm not paying taxes. I'm a church. I've said I'm a church. At one point, I had tax exempt status, so I'm not paying taxes. And <laughs> he just like me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so a, eventually, the IRS would catch up to them and say, hey, you owe us a lot of money in back taxes. And just, Dalton, just for fun, how much do you think that they owed the IRS? Oh, two years of back taxes? Right? No, not two years. This is 1958. Oh, wait. So they have to, the to pay their, they have to pay the back taxes from when yeah. they were tax exempt? Oh, Jesus no, Christ. No, not from when they were. They were never really. They were only tax exempt for a couple for, of years. Yeah, two years. But they were operating as if they were tax exempt for most of the most of the time that they existed. Almost not, 40 years. Most is like the vast majority of the, the years that they existed. They were operating as if they were tax exempt. Gotcha. Um. $850 million. That's not bad. It is $1 billion. With a B. With a B. And then, I mean, they don't have that kind of money. So it, it is a fucking emergency. Like this is, you know, way beyond Alex Jones being sued by the Sandy Hook families. Like this is right. a, a ridiculous amount of money that no, no church has access to. It doesn't have the cash. Um, so they shift into the same thing that they always do when they, you know, encounter a crisis uh, and they, they follow LRH's teachings. And his teaching was never treat a war like a skirmish, treat all skirmishes like wars. Boy, that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> and they declare, they actually declare, this is not even the thing, war, open war on the IRS. So now Scientology <laughs> goes to war with the IRS. There's just some guy in a suit with a pocket protector going, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> yeah, like, what, really? It, you're actually closer than you might think. Um, so they started filing lawsuits, not only against the IRS, but against individual people that worked for the IRS. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they started hiring private detectives to go to IRS functions you know like when they would have retreats they would send they would send spies into the hotel and they would like write down who they'd keep track of like who's drinking what and who's had the most to drink and maybe we can get some information out of them and then turn that into a lawsuit it's like a whole fucking thing it's it's terrifying yeah and i mean hundreds of lawsuits were filed against individual people that worked at the irs and these are like normal nine to five i mean these are like the dorkiest of the dorky if you're like i want to go work for the irs when i grow up I mean, <laughs> these, are like, is... these are like bureaucrats that are yep. not trained in counterintelligence right so they have no <laughs> idea they're being spied on because they're like the assistant manager of the such and such department at the IRS building in Topeka, Kansas or something. Right, right exactly. <laughs> this is this is the guy who's like, you need to file this form in duplicate in order to, to right. sorry, I guess so you only filed it once, but don't worry, just file a second one and we, we got you covered. Thank you. Thank you for calling the IRS today. See you filed as a 1099, but I think you're more of a W4. <laughs> so they, but, but on top of that, they were also like documenting like I said, offsites and like workshops and events, and they would be like, they drink all of this alcohol and that's on the taxpayer dollar, which is, you know, it's kind of silly because it's a very small amount of money compared to what the United States government spends every right. year. Like it's stupid. I wish I would have declared we're on the Pentagon budget. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I think this would have gone differently if Scientology would have 
declared war on the war machine. That's true. <laughs> I mean, who, who, who you? I mean, if you want to like gain sympathy with Americans, go after the tax man. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is very true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You'll get the pa- the patriots mid quotes <laughs> that are against the tax man during this time. Uh, I think it was Jim Jones said that he stood with Scientology. That. <laughs> It's terrifying. <laughs> just Leonard Skinner's free bird playing in the background. <laughs> I think it was either this or was during the, 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 was a mockingbird or was the other one? Operation Snow White, Operation Snow Mockingbirds. White. Yeah. It was either this or Snow White, but I think it was during this that, uh, that Jim Jones said he was like stood with this church of Scientology. <laughs> um, so in short, basically anybody who worked for the IRS was now their life was turned into hell their life was turned into hell i mean like they they targeted these people these people didn't deserve any of this attention but they just wanted to make them suffer and it didn't seem to move the needle very much so miscavige was like i i I need to do something more so one day he and a colleague were in washington dc on church business and they decided to pay a visit to the irs in person right the irs building they went to the, the internal revenue service um, they didn't have an appointment, but walked in the building and asked to see Fred Goldberg, who was the commissioner of the IRS at the time. He's the big boss. That's like leaving the club and you found out somebody was like checking out your girl or something. I'm going to go fucking find this fucker at his house. And you pull up to his house and you knock on the door like, hey, bitch, come find me in the street. Come out. Come out. <laughs> David Miscavige goes in there. He goes, you can either take a meeting with me or you can cash me outside. How about that? <laughs> Fuck, man, you're like in my brain, Dave. That was... <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the, the reception and asked, this is, this is, this is kind of like the only baller thing that David has ever done. He goes, uh, the receptionist asked who they were and if they had an appointment, uh, Miscavige said that if they told Fred that it was David Miscavige from the church of Scientology uh, to, that was there to see him, he would take the appointment. So he's like, he'll know who we are. If you tell him who it is, he'll come down. He'll take our meeting. He didn't. he didn't not that day eventually he did end up meeting uh with david and his little assorted lawyers and weirdos from the church and at the end of the meeting miscavige mentioned that if they gained more or less this is paraphrasing but more or less if they gained tax exempt status all of the lawsuits would disappear oh dude that is some blackmail cheesy ass shit yep and Fred Goldberg, who's the head of the IRS, turned to one of the lawyers from Scientology and said, is he serious? Will that happen? And the lawyer said, yeah, he's absolutely serious. If this goes through everything, all the lawsuits disappear. Fred Goldberg from the IRS should have got on the horn with the FBI and said, yes. I believe I am being extorted by the, yeah. the Church of Scientology <laughs> right now. Yeah. But and, those- uh, I believe you've you, I believe you've raided them before. And it seems like uh you know, it seems like this. You might be interested in this. Yeah, there's like, a whole lot of bad shit going down in Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> it feels like, well, we used to have a bunch of files on them, and we seem to have misplaced them. I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, the the uh, they started working together, and Goldberg, you know, told his team to start working with them and try to see if they can come to some sort of conclusion and get them this tax exempt status. Um, That is just like the fucking U S government. These fucking three letter agencies don't communicate at all. They have no clue what any other fucking agency is doing. If they would have just communicated with the fucking feds or some shit, none of this would have happened. 
Yep. They no. miscavige goes to prison for fucking extortion and then Scientology dies. The because like literally he just went in there and extorted the uh this is that's pretty baller, honestly. Like you gotta you gotta either it's either called having a pair or delusions of grandeur. Oh, it's if definitely delusions of grandeur. In, in, this, in this case it's delusions. I think you can go in and extort the IRS, like the head of the IRS. It worked though. Yeah. It worked. It worked. It worked. So they, I mean I, Scientology had to clean up a bunch of shit on their end. Like they had to get their their the books right, which you know it's not hard to to think that yeah, they had to, to believe the books. That they, yeah, they were cooking the books. They also had a problematic one of uh, problematic um, teaching from LRH, where LRH has been quoted in. Oh, I don't know if it's part of it now, but it was part of Scientology at that point, where he had said in quotes, "Make money, make more money, make others produce, so as to make money." That was that was marching orders from LRH, uh, and they were like, "This God doesn't really line Mr. up." Crabs, motherfucker. <laughs> this sounds like this doesn't line up with a religion. This lines up with a pyramid scheme, or not a pyramid scheme. This is just a fucking grift, like, um, the, like the mob. It is. It's exactly yeah. the mob. Shake them down. Get them every, everybody that you can, every penny you can. But in 1993, it paid off. Not only was the church given tax exempt status, but the tax debt was totally forgiven so billion insane. dollars disappears insane. you know what the fucking student that isn't high just press delete on that motherfucker man what are you yeah. doing no i agree you it's, can just you know, the make state of california state of california sends you a letter that says court order debt collection if you owe them 14 dollars. court That's order insane. debt collection i'm in debt to a lot of people i've never got that letter if yes you have the state of california it's i think it's just like a form letter they send but i like i thought it was funny that is insane <laughs> Like when because I was you know I do some of some of my work is uh, contract work so I have to pay like quarter uh, quarterly right. payments quarterly payments yep. and so like they were like court ordered debt collection I was like shit and then it was fourteen dollars and I was like ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> I was like it probably took cost you more money to process this than the fourteen dollars that I'm about to send you <laughs> that's a big fourteen dollar check fuck you. But it's just amazing that like the you'd think that the federal government would have been like, actually, we're going to need some of that billion. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. That's a ton of money. It's we, so we, money. Got, we got we got poor countries to bomb, Mr. Miscavige. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Right. We need you to fund this. Um, <laughs> so they, it, it works. Right. They, they are now granted tax exempt status. And Miscavige blows this up. It's more than just a clerical you know, issue. It is the United States government has recognized the legitimacy of the Church of Scientology. That's It's that's, like they had just won the Cuban Missile Crisis. Exactly. The, yeah. And and the, like, so we watched it on stream again. It was one because we've been through all this stuff and like the the celebration that they had over this was substantial. It was Oh yeah. It was it was just the biggest room full of white people you've ever seen in your life <laughs> dancing and people clapping at the wrong time and shit. And like, <laughs> like it, was, it was it was a party. There was like there was like there was like raisins in the potato salad. It was <laughs> it was it was why it was like so he announces this in front of 10,000 Scientologists in this arena. And the and there's like this giant graphic that keeps going. The war is over. Yeah, the war is over. Oh, it was very, very much like not like 1984, but more like that movie Brazil, right? Yeah. It was like <laughs> it. Well, yeah, it was a Terry Gilliam production for sure. Um, 
And it was the applause when he announced it lasted 10 minutes, 10 solid minutes or else. Yeah. Or else if they they caught you not clapping, (laughs) keep that camera moving around. If I see one of these motherfuckers, not on their feet, they're out of here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we're going to, we'll, we'll kind of go through this other part. The other thing about LRH is that he was all about celebrity. He believed in the power of celebrity, right? How do you spread the word for your church other than getting a celebrity involved that can help promote it with you, right? It's really savvy. I think he's like the one of the early people that understood what influencer culture was, for sure. I mean, not for nothing. The only reason anybody really joined his cult was because he was a minor celebrity himself. He had written right. like Pulp Fiction novels. Like we kind of look at the <laughs> stuff and think that it was that it was kind of silly but at the time that was you know entertainment for just a lot of people were into that and even if l ron hubbard wasn't the most popular or whatever the fact that he was being published regularly or whatever he was certainly like i don't know like the b list or the c list of of like worldwide celebrities and that you know that certainly didn't help didn't hurt his ability to recruit and he ran in circles with a lot of other like celebrity authors i mean he had a lot of friends that were big deals he's like the nicholas sparks of his time Dave, I got to applaud you for that Pulp Fiction pun. Ever going to the celebrity route? Because that was perfect. Oh, because of Travolta. Yeah. <laughs> when I heard it, I was the like, whole oh, thing. Man. No, the whole thing. I mean, they, you know, it, it all makes sense. It all comes. I didn't even know I was doing that. It just you should just applaud the world for everything coming together that way, because that's that's the kind of that's the the kind of novels he was writing. They were it was called yeah, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, they were. That was what it was called. <laughs> so awesome. you can applaud. You can applaud the world, or maybe maybe Tarantino for thinking it'd be funny to book Travolta in that movie. <laughs> yeah, <Hey>, Tarantino, <laughs> like to to remake Travolta's career. <laughs> we'll knock one of the problematic n words that you said off the list for this one good pun that you made. There we go. Oh, with Travolta. I mean, no. for Tarantino. Yeah, for Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Um. So. LRH's pitch to celebrities was basically this. And this is this is a quote from him. He said, a civilization without insanity, without criminals, and without war, where the able can prosper and honest beings can have rights, and where man is free to rise to greater heights, are the aims of Scientology. <laughs> it's a little ableist, I think, looking back at it now, but uh, maybe I'm seeing too much into it. But that was it. And that attracted people, including John Travolta who used that quote several times in interviews to kind of justify his place in Scientology. Um, of course, he's not the only celebrity in the church. No, he is not. There have uh, He was the original golden boy. There's a bunch of other minor celebrities involved. But by the time that Miscavige seized power, Travolta was washed up. He was doing the Look Who's Talking movies, which were not amazing it's like I that mean, scene from toy story whenever uh andy gets buzzed out here and he's holding wood in his hand it's like i don't want to play with you anymore and then he just drops them <laughs> i'll still take the look who's talking residual check though i mean yeah you know, probably i'm not doing just fine off that is that a streaming anywhere i don't think i've ever seen that on any of the streaming services i mean maybe the residuals check is like 18 dollars a year and i'm wrong who knows <laughs> uh yeah so um Miscavige needed a new face, and fortunately, the new face was recruited into Scientology in 1986 by his then-wife, Mimi Rogers, and his name was Tom Tom Cruise. Cruise. Damn right. (laughs) 
Cruz and Miscavige became friends during the filming of Days of Thunders, which was basically Top Gun with race cars. And it's also about this time when Miscavige, I keep switching back and forth in the pronunciation. I apologize, but that's just what you're going to get on this. This is my my low effort pronunciations. Um, he when This is about the time when Miscavige allegedly plotted Cruz's divorce from Mimi Rogers and his eventual marriage to Days of Thunder co-star Nicole Kidman. Really? Dave Miscavige directed all of this? Apparently, yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. And it's weird because it's like Mimi Rogers got Tom Cruise into the church. That's crazy. Once he was there. of a man, puppet master your life. That's that's the thing. I mean, this is like Nicole Kidman's breakthrough role. Like, yeah, Tom- Nicole Kidman. He, I think he, I think Miscavige. If this is true, thought he was catching Nicole Kidman on the upswing, right? If he right. was going to get her into the cult by bringing her, by getting her to hook up with Tom Cruise or whatever, he was going to get her on the upswing so that she'd have somehow he could probably take credit for her success as she gets even more successful after right, Days like of Thunder or whatever. Scientology power couple, right? <laughs> The, power, the problem with that is that Nicole Kidman's father was a psychiatrist, and that was a very big issue with Scientology and led to a lot of strife. As it should. Um, so, yeah, so um, there, I could make this a whole episode about, like, Tom Cruise and all the weird shit with Scientology and Tom Cruise, but that's not this podcast, so... Um, you, you should. I'll come back for that. Yeah, we could do that. We absolutely will do that. We or could, maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe, maybe, we'll do, maybe we'll do something where we're... Uh, me and uh, HK are hunting, hosting the two of you. Hell yeah. And, I'm down. We talk a little bit about Tom Cruise or something. A- absolutely. Cause there's a lot of shit there. There's a lot of women. Out of my daughter's playroom for that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we do. Ours is video. So you'll have to put like a, I don't know, like a, like a, like a sheet behind you or something. I don't know. I don't care what you we'll do. Figure actually. It out. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a bunch of other, um, I am actually just waiting for Scientology to start an NFT, to be honest. Um, but until then, we're. Could you imagine the Xenu NFT? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, we should put out the Xenu NFT. Maybe we should. Maybe we should beat them to market on that. Uh, I mean, if somebody's going to steal somebody's money with a Xenu NFT, it might as well be me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So, you know, there had been a bunch of hiccups, right? We've talked about a few of them, like things that they've run into. Um, the church continued to grow and exploit its followers, but the internet was really about to change all of that. And the internet fucking ruined Scientology. And even if the church won't admit it, like they, they absolutely won't talk about it. Um, the church forbids its members from using the internet, um, to look up things that are negative about Scientology, but inevitably people found the negative stories and they, I'm going to use this in quotes, they did their own research. And so they, not, not for not for nothing, some people have reported that if you were a Scientologist, possibly even unbeknownst to you, they would install spyware on your computer to see what you were looking at. Crazy shit. They would do something called like they would do sec checks and security checks. And if they knew you were looking at stuff on the Internet that was critical of Scientology, they would just sec check you. And that just means weird space alien cult interrogation. That's what sec check is. Security check. And, and they would just hammer you, hammer you, hammer you until you admitted to it. And then they would punish you for having looked up or come across even by accident negative things about Scientology. Now, these are just like reports of former members and we have to take some of the things said by some of the former members with a grain of salt right because they have 
they might have incentives to lie or sensationalize what's going on, maybe for their own uh, financial gain in some cases. Um, certain celebrities had television shows where I thought they had certain people on who were uh, maybe less than credible. Telling well, here, Renee, we're talking about stories. you. <laughs> and, um, but <clears throat> I believe that they had, like, s- that they had done this to some people yeah. where they had installed yeah. spyware or some, even maybe some kind of weird filter, like when you go to the library computers or whatever. Now, when it's you also- mentioned pu- punishments, what kind of punishments were they dealing out? You would have to do work sometimes. Um, if you were well-to-do, maybe the punishment was the functional equivalent of a fine where you weren't necessarily told that it was a fine, but you were like, they were, you know, you might be told, you know, hey, you know, donation might could make this go away. Mm, um, gotcha. But, Extortion. Um, but if, uh, yeah, but if you were like what they call a public Scientologist, which is somebody who lives out in public, doesn't work at the Sea Org, doesn't spend a lot of their time at the church, a lot of times that just meant that you would work extra hours and sometimes your work detail would change to things that were designed to humiliate. Not like, not like they wouldn't just be like, Oh, clean the bathroom. Cause you know what? Cleaning the bathroom is a thing that people should do. Actually. They would be like, clean the bathroom with this toothbrush right? Oof. and only this toothbrush. And you know, again, these are from the reports of people inside the cult. And some of those people have a, even if they don't have an incentive to embellish, they may embellish it just because it was fucking traumatic and to them it was the end of the fucking world so um yeah but this this stuff right here they they kind of knew as soon as the internet started having negative information about scientology at the tip of your fingers they were hip to what it what like the threat real quickly but i think as we're going to see in this document they weren't really hip to how to deal with it no (laughs) no not at all now they i mean they they i i you know and the other side of that is i also feel like there's been enough people who have left, you know, including pretty much all of um, David Miscavige's family is out, you know, and, and, and they've been some of the ones that are ringing the bell. And I just, I do think there's a lot of people that have an ax to grind, but I also feel like if you hear the well, same thing, they? yeah, right. Right. Why wouldn't they? But I also feel like you got a lot of people saying pretty similar things, it, it, it lends some credence to what right. they're saying. Like, I don't believe either side is telling hundred percent the truth. And I don't believe that with anything. Like we do a show about fucking grifters. All these people are liars. <laughs> right. Like all of them are, or all of them believe their version of the truth is a much more polite way to say it. But I just think that, yeah, I, I don't, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there and, and, and there's, 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 a, there's truth to I would say a lot of it, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that there's, there's definitely the most of it is probably mostly accurate because of kind of who we are. We like to cover when we get into these communities and start like kind of drilling down on what's going on. We end up covering the personalities and we've definitely found a few people who are ex Scientologists who are either attempting to be on that grift or who are on that grift. Right. Made it the funniest brand. ones are the ones who are attempting and failing because that's just really funny to watch. It's like you can't, <laughs> you can't even grift on this. Maybe you were never in the cult, but um, yeah, it's 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 hard to tell. And at the beginning, we kind of got, I think we kind of got a little too familiar with some of the characters in the ex Scientology movement. And we had to take a bit of a step back because we were going, oh, should we talk about this? We're criticizing someone who's been nice to us, and then. We were like, wait a minute, this is absolutely unacceptable for us to even be asking this question. Right. Yes, of course, we have to talk about this. Right. Uh, but just real quick, the sort of online 
campaign against Scientology, while it was good at the time, it sort of laid the groundwork for a lot of things I think are pretty nasty today, um, particularly QAnon. I think that the anti-Scientology campaign that came off of 4chan called Project Chinology <clears throat> with the people that were calling themselves anonymous, they all called themselves anons. It's just stylistically and in some ways functionally very similar to the QAnon movement. And I don't think it's like the fault of the people who were involved in the anti-Scientology movement at the time. I just think that they like tapped into a new form of online. They were calling it slacktivism at the time, which was actually kind of cute because it was pretty accurate. <laughs> <It's a> great <laughs> name. <laughs> but they, they tapped into like a way in which you can use the internet and social media was just starting to come up and, 2008 2009 when all this happened with anonymous they did tap into a way to like kind of use virality and um like messaging about your opponents messaging that's either funny or inflammatory to get people on your side even if they don't really know what you're talking about and i you know again if if that's aimed at scientology that's all well and good but other people saw that and were able to pick up those tactics and I think on the balance, it's been uh, been a bit of a problem, actually. Yeah, makes a lot no, of sense. I would one hundred percent agree. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So let me see where um, <laughs> I was. Like, I was about to say Austin lost his place. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it, it, like they've landed it. I mean, it was like that's that's you stuck the landing. That was that was a, a really good people, point. People are like people come onto my channel at like one in the morning. They're like that guy's a drunk idiot. <laughs> and, and no, no, that's not true. At one in the morning, I'm drunk, but I'm not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think about this stuff a lot, like how, how you know, like what was good about movements, what was bad about movements. Right. You know, the, a, a good thing that came out of that is a lot of um, what happened at Occupy Wall Street was also using similar tactics to the Project Chinology. In fact, it was a lot of the same people. Right. You know, pe people want to say it was Adbusters that did it, but I think Anonymous, if 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 I was following it correctly, the loosely affiliated group of Internet people known as Anonymous did more to boost uh, Occupy Wall Street than any, you know, Adbusters is like a kind of like a charity or whatever that like anti-capitalist or whatever. And maybe I'm mis maybe I'm mischaracterizing Adbusters because they don't really exist anymore they don't exist to the like they're not part of a conversation anymore right and so you know these it's just that the tactics cut both ways and you you know you got to be you got to be willing to like willing to accept that some of the tactics that your movement might use are going to be used against you oh absolutely Where the hell is paid in good intentions yeah well and it's and it's just like all this stuff is more connected than people think right you right. know like you you learn from the people that that you know that, that had tried attempted things previously and and you you take what they they you know you learn from what they did and you you move on and you you evolve your strategies and your tactics and you you keep going absolutely um and, and but the internet was a powerful tool good ways bad ways everything and so far as Scientology, I mean, it woke a lot of people up and they were like, hey, listen, like we're in the Sea Org, we're a member of the Sea Org and we're working 80 to 100 hours a week and we're oh not making, God. yeah, and they're getting paid about $50 a week. I, I have all the reports, I've not seen anybody say that they made more than $50 a week. I have for this documents. Thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like, we talked about this in um, episode 32 of our show, which JPay. This mm-hmm. is prison labor. Like, yes, this is right. what pe- slave labor. It's slave 100%. labor. It's, it's, it's what prisoners get paid. It, it, it's it, when you start seeing that from the outside, it becomes very apparent that you're part of an, org- an organization that just exploits people. It's mm-hmm. got, there's, they do nothing. not give a fuck about them. Nope. Absolutely not. Um, and the, you know, the, the Tom Cruise's and the Nancy Cartwrights and Shaka Khan, by the way, that was the most disappointing one. Shaka Khan, the Scientologist. Yeah. Shaka no. Khan. Really? Dave. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh. I knew who Bart Simpson was, but I didn't know Shaka Khan was. That was the most disappointing for me. Uh, Chick Korea also was it was disappointing to find out as a Scientologist. Oh, man. But not as much as Shaka Khan. You know, <clears throat> like gay people in, in our 40s, we love us some Shaka Khan. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as as a gay person in his 40s, you're 100% right. We love us some fucking Shaka Khan. Juliet Lewis was a little disappointing for me because I, I, I always enjoyed her as an actress, but that, I'm also surprised she never got out. That's pretty. I'm, I would have assumed yeah. she would have been one that would have got out. She never did. Never did. She also hasn't been in anything in a long time. She heard her, her, her so time when when COVID hit. I know I've seen pictures of the living conditions inside of uh, some of the Sea Org facilities, and I was like, those people are all going to get COVID. And 100%. I, they either didn't. Or it happened and Scientology covered it up, or it happened and the media slept on it and wasn't covering it. But I, you know, uh, we were um, a woman named Karen De La Carriere, who I've been kind of friendly with. She's uh, she used to be like the she was the wife of like the president of some some something such and such in Scientology. Yeah, one of these fucking weird ranks. But she sh- she was sending me pictures of like the living conditions from people who had leaked them fairly recently. And people were like putting up fucking saran wrap and shit around their fucking Holy bunk bed shit. to try to protect themselves oh from COVID. God. And it's so, horrible. like, I wonder what happened. I wonder if it like ran through there. And because most of the people that work there are young and it just didn't kill a bunch of people. I was about um, to say, like, these are like for all intents and purposes, children in the Sea Org, right? Um, no, it's mostly young adults. Okay. There are children in the Sea Org, but I would say it's mostly college age people. At okay. least the ones that are living like in the dorm. Oh, this is such a weird way to talk about it. Such a such a like it's almost like Orwellian, even in the way that we're talking about it right now, where we're like <laughs> using double speak to talk about like a prison. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's the same kind of the same set of concerns I had about people in prison, actually, when uh, COVID hit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe the prisons probably covered it up, too. So why the fuck wouldn't Scientology? Right. Oh, Absolutely. The prisons, North Korea, and Scientology covered all that shit up. Um, so yeah, so I want to pivot a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna kind of wind things down here. But um, as people have left, and you know, Dave talked about this quite a bit, but there's been a ton of stories that have emerged about um, David Miscavige, all five foot three. He says he's five foot five, and we'll we'll see. No no short shaming here. Who's but... that jumping out the sky, David Miscavige? <laughs> oh, I can't I can't connect it. <laughs> so that a lot of claims have been made about how he is physically violent towards other members of the church and leadership, and that he has um, assaulted people. He has a very you know short temper. He um, you know will will run across desks and, and grab people and punch people and show there's a whole thing, but it, it's definitely led to investigations into the church. 
um, for human trafficking, physical abuse, and child labor charges. Now, there haven't been any, as far as I know, um, charges pressed against the church. You know, like many things, the the you know people come in and investigate. They're like, nothing to see here, and they're like, okay, we'll see you later, and run away. That's one well, of the, the only place strength. that's ever the only place that's done anything about them. Unfortunately, is the Russian Federation and. That's a problem, too, because in the Russian Federation, there's a little bit of a, a lack of transparency and a little bit of lack of separation between the state and the Russian Orthodox Church. Right. So they're more like more than likely being persecuted, not for their you know, human rights abuses, but for just for not being the Russian Orthodox Church and yeah. operating inside of the Russian Federation, <laughs> which I keep having to remind the people in the anti-Scientology spaces that I'm in that that's actually bad. Right, <laughs> right. But it doesn't matter. In fact, I would I'm taking the Church of Scientology's side in that particular religious prosecution <laughs> is bad, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so the most disturbing story and Dalton, you alluded to it earlier. What where is your wife, David? We yeah. need to find her. It is about Shelly Miscavige. And I would not be doing justice to the story without bringing this up. Um, in 2007 she disappears she like literally literally disappears nobody sees her again she was um david's assistant and appeared at all of the public functions with him up until that point and then nothing she's gone and there is leah remini who we talked about has made shelly's disappearance her cause celebra um but well, she's made it about herself anyway. Now she has. I and mean, that was that was the the sort of the cloak that she put over. And I'm not a big Leah Remini fan. I don't, I don't really. I think the first season, the first season of that show was great. And then the rest of it was about Leah crying. No, I didn't watch much after that, to be honest. Uh, and I'm glad now that I didn't. Yeah. So you check you, it. Do your own research. Do your... <laughs> <laughs> so she's alerted the LAPD. They apparently questioned people in the church and came away and said, no, we think she's fine. We think Shelly uh, is fine. It's okay. Everything's fine. Um, Trustworthy organization, the LAPD. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> no, no, no weird history at all. But um, I just want to really quickly read a piece from the New York Times, which, you know, I have lots of feelings about, but uh, they mentioned my dude, Tony Ortega. There's like two people in the anti-Scientology movement that have their heads on straight. Mark Bunker and Tony Ortega. Yeah, I do. I dig Tony Ortega. I think he's got if you if you get a chance, anybody who's listening, we uh, we interviewed him uh, for our show and you can find that on the feed for the plex podcast because we don't have a podcast feed for the scientology one you just go to our website echoplexmedia.com and punch in tony ortega and get our interview with him he's great that's awesome I, I he's great. he stayed up late for us too he's on the east coast he came on at midnight he, he's <laughs> he was he was great and at the very end he was like hey some of the scientology people are into QAnon. gotta go bye and he like left us with <laughs> like the thing we wanted the thing that we would have wanted to talk about he didn't really dig, like in that no, but, come like, back. That was the end of the interview like he just said oh by the way this and then we said our goodbyes it's it was like, oh god he, was like, he, he, but that's knew, a- he that that shows that he kind of looked he, he took a little time to look at who we were before yeah. we talked to him right because otherwise he wouldn't have known that that would have that that would have been just a great way to mess with us but it also <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's not that surprising right I mean, considering like early Scientologists were like new age, you know, 
alternate medicine, you know, alternate, you know, they were into crystals and healing. And I mean, you can, you can cast that, that, that net on them. Those were the people that were attracted to Scientology. Those are also the people that are attracted to QAnon in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. so that shouldn't be all that surprising. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Scientology is based on a conspiracy theory that the Earth is a prison planet, essentially. Right. And so, like, they invented, to some extent, the idea of, like, conspirituality. Which Dalton is smiling because prison planet talks ties back to Alex Jones. That's Paul. Paul Watson. Paul yeah, just Paul Watson. Watson. <laughs> oh, God, that guy. The most boring man on the planet. <laughs> Paul Imagine <Watson>. my shock. <laughs> the best one, though, was when he said that, like, if like uh, Earth, if he lived in a place with earthquakes or something, he'd be really afraid because he never leaves his apartment. But it wasn't like during COVID or anything. And I was like, oh, shit, that guy just doesn't have any friends. No, he's yeah. just a hermit. <laughs> no, he's, he's a shitty little man. Oh, what, a, um, what, a, what a what a wait what a waste of a fabulous mop of hair too <laughs> and a great accent I, I dig the accent um even if he's kind of boring to listen to it's still a good accent you could definitely make that interesting uh new york times piece so the question where's shelly has never been answered by scientology or the lapd but former members of the church have an almost unanimous answer. Shelly Miscavige is at the Church of Spiritual Technology, which is CST. As explained on journalist Tony Ortega, uh, Tony Ortega's website, CST is the branch of Scientology so secret that few within the church even know about it. CST owns the copyrights to Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard's writing, both Scientology texts and the hundreds of science fiction stories he wrote prior to starting a religion. CST's job is to make sure that Hubbard's work is preserved for people to read in the future. This particularly intensive because CST is anticipating a nuclear Holocaust (laughs) to protect the writing from nuclear fallout. They're kept in underground storage bunkers. Hubbard's work is engraved on steel plates and gold compact discs and sealed in titanium cases. CST's headquarters, sometimes called Twin Peaks, are located near Lake Arrowhead, California. Few Scientologists know about the compound and fewer have been allowed to visit. It is believed that Shelley Miscavige is being held at this mysterious area. As seen in photographs of the Twin Peaks compound exterior published by Insider, there are spiked fences, the same brand used on on the border between the U.S. and Mexico, all around it. The majority of the spikes point inward as if they are designed to keep people in rather than out. Security cameras record everything that happens at the perimeter. Fucking we're going to go there. Fiction nerds. Twin Peaks. Come on. Yeah, yeah, we're going to go there. All right. Yeah. Me and I think me and my co-host, the media ones are going to go out there uh, when, when the weather cools off a little bit because we've been we've been thinking about doing some kind of Scientology road trip and Clearwater's a little far from the Bay Area, but uh but Lake Arrowhead is beautiful and we can do a little Scientology road tripping while we're up there. So fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like the, the consensus among like the rational people too, not like the speculators, the speculators, I would just say she's at this place called gold base because it sounds like in like imposing or whatever. Right. But yeah, the, the rational people in the, or the people I think are more rational and more trustworthy in the anti-Scientology community all think she's, at this place near Lake Arrowhead. And it's, it's also important to note, and I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but I didn't, um, that all of everything that LRH ever wrote is now considered a religious text. Yeah. So they're all tax exempt. Even so though he was fairly open in the beginning, right? About Don Nix being a science fiction book, right? 
Oh, I mean, all he ever wrote was science fiction. Yeah, no, Dianetics, all no, Dianetics was his pivot to the modern science right. of the mind. Gotcha. But before that, all he wrote was the, the sci-fi books. And now they're considered religious texts and aren't taxed when they're sold. So there's this show they do. It's called Inside Scientology. It's on their 24-hour network. And I don't. they have this whole thing about how they... You remember Laserdiscs? Yeah. They have these do not. giant gold discs that look like laser CDs. discs that they're that they're like archiving L. Ron Hubbard's like uh, spoken word onto, and they're like archiving his his important Scientology work onto these like fucking stainless steel plates that they're etching all the words into, and then putting in these, I guess, nuclear bomb proof <laughs> containers, and then putting them inside a mountain. It's fucking wild for the upcoming nuclear holocaust. I'm not kidding. You can go. No. You can probably go find it on their website. It's it's like their their archival uh, proud system of it. or whatever. Yeah, they're they're proud. Of, they're proud of the <laughs> craziest things. But they also describe the, the the technology they're using as if they invented it and didn't just go buy it, which is <laughs> the best part. <laughs> like all off the shelf. It's expensive stuff, but it's all like off the shelf components that you can buy for this kind of archival or you know maybe it's not used for archival maybe it's used for art because etching into metal is often like artistic right. but yeah they're using they're acting like they just pretend they invented it all and it's amazing you you yeah. can't really go wrong if you got nothing to do just pop on the scientology tv 24-hour stream you'll either see very disturbing things about how uh mental health professionals are actually the ones who did the entire holocaust You'll see weird things Christ. about them, them claim, or you'll see weird things about them claiming they invented an entire boat that they actually just bought. Yep. <laughs> or some white savior shit where they go down to like, like South America or whatever, and like tell like they're like we have reduced drug use in Cuba or well they wouldn't go to Cuba. There's communists there. <laughs> reduced drug use in Colombia, and I'm like, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. You haven't no, anything. you haven't. I've got to watch this. Yeah, the it's... crap shoot between uh, Holocaust denial and weird boat invention really captivates me. It's something... yeah, they're on YouTube. They're it's amazing that like other that that they haven't been kicked off of YouTube for like blatant Holocaust denial and they're <laughs> fucking. But yeah, they're a 24 hour channel on YouTube. Sometimes we just watch it late at night on stream when there's nothing else to watch. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. So, Shelly, a couple of theories about why she disappeared. Um, these are kind of the two most popular theories that I had come across. One was that when David was away, she went in and made a bunch of organizational changes to the Sea Org and kind of like messed up their org chart. And uh, David was very unhappy about that. Another one that I heard was that David returned from a trip without her without a wedding ring. And she immediately assumed that he was fucking around on her uh, and lost her cool. And then she disappeared. I don't know. I don't know what happened to her. I'm not a speculative podcast. And we're not like going to try to guess what happened to her. If she's alive. I, I think she is probably oh, come on Austin. I want to know your theory. I think she's alive. I think she okay. married a shithead and who is a control freak and that she had probably over the course of their marriage had a bunch of micro transgressions or that that's what he perceived. And he had to do something to get her out of the picture so he could do whatever he wanted. That's what I think. Yeah. That's the, the that's my thing too, is that she was the second most powerful person basically in the organization and people genuinely liked her. And that was a threat to his, Right. His, like all uh, all consuming power. Also, not for nothing. I mean, you think the guy that's ahead, the head of an abusive 
cult isn't also going to be an abusive partner. Right. right. You know what I mean, yep. so that's, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's unfortunate. It is what it is, but yeah. And it's, I think they Truman showed her, I think she's somewhere beautiful where she's kind of getting everything she wanted. I don't think she's like in some hole somewhere. I think it's the other way. I like that. I think that the, yeah, I definitely like that better than she's in a basement somewhere. <laughs> I think that they, why they would certainly Truman show her. Why? Yeah, no, that makes the most sense. Um, Real so, quick, can somebody explain what Truman show means? Oh, um, it's just that they would kind of give her everything she needs, except minus the Truman show was a movie where this guy didn't know it, but he was the subject of a TV show. And so his life was completely constructed by TV producers or whatever. And, so I think they did that to her, not for a TV show, obviously, but just to like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to put you in this beautiful place where you can work on this or you can work on that or study they orchestrate the like or, her interactions. Yeah. Everything around her is fake and staged. This TV show sounds like a nightmare, but you should watch I'm, the movie. It's good. OK. All right. So just a couple of things. We'll wrap it up. Um, this last nasty little guy has been incredibly successful. In 2015, it was estimated. We already that talked about Tom Cruise. <laughs> the, the nasty littler dude. Um, Slightly littler. Very successful. And it goes it, Ben it, Shapiro, Tom Cruise, David Miscavige in order of <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> uh, I want to see. At least Tom Cruise and David Miscavige can get their wife's pussy wet. Okay. God. Ben Shapiro does not know. <laughs> Maybe Tom Cruise. <laughs> maybe tom cruise <laughs> so as of uh 2015 scientology was worth about three billion dollars in assets and most of it was in real estate which david talked about earlier and you know in order to remain tax exempt you can't just hoard your money, right? You can't have this pile of money sitting in a bank. You actually are required to spend it to prove that you're doing good in your community. And so what Scientology's whole grift is, is investing in real estate all around McDonald's. the world. It's McDonald's. Yeah, yeah but with the church. Tax They're in the real estate game. It's the real estate game. Everybody knows that. Vornado is a huge real estate company in New York City. So it's a, they, they own the building that I work in. They also began as a, a fan manufacturer. And you'll know that like Vornado fans is a thing. And the history of that company is they started to buy real estate um, in retail stores for their fans and then figured out that real estate's actually making them a lot more money more than, lucrative than the fans. fans. Yeah. And so they pivoted and they sold the Vornado fan line, but, and they kept the, the Vornado real estate and they like one of the, the, the CEO is one of Trump's biggest donors. And I mean, I mean, in New York city, they're a massive fucking real estate and maybe the biggest commercial real estate company in New York city. So what are they doing with this real estate that they're buying? They're turning it into um, training centers. You know, the, the you can go and get audited. You can stay if you're a Scientologist from out of town. You can you can you got room and board there. But you know, early in the 2000s, things really started to fall apart. That's when you start to see a lot of the high profile departures from the church, and they're still hemorrhaging members. I mean, it's it's people are leaving the church, and so it's actually to me. Are they just of, allowed to leave? Like, is it come as you go? Oh no. Oh no no no! They're they're tracked. They are cut off. Well, to the the to the the extent that Scientology even has the resources to do that right. anymore. See, as their membership drops, it becomes easier for people to leave because there's less people in the cult who might be willing to uh, 
track you down. And as all of their holdings become in real estate, they are less liquid yep. as time goes on. Yep. So gotcha. they, they have less money and it becomes like, is it really worth it to send a PI to follow this person around? Right. Right. And, and so they're not doing that the way they once were. I think they, that kind of peaked in like the same time, basically as uh, like anonymous and the internet went after them. That was sort of when it peaked or at least our ability to see it peaked. And then it either went away or they're, you know, using electronic surveillance on people, maybe just stalking people on Facebook who leave or, you know, you, cause you, that's, you'd have no idea who's looking at your Facebook or your Twitter or your Instagram right. to see what you're up to. So they may have switched to that mode or they may just not care that they might not that they don't care that people are leaving, but they may, it may not be a priority for them anymore because anybody up near the top of that thing knows that all it's all real estate. Yeah. It's all real estate. And I mean, the membership, we don't have any way like any hard figures because they're not releasing their membership, but most of the estimates that I, I read said they went from in the nineties from about a hundred thousand members to today about twenty thousand members, which is a significant decline. Holy shit! Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, and they still have some big fish. You know, they've still got some big donors in there to kind of keep them up. There's a cat who's been running around the room. Yeah, that's uh, this one's Leia. <laughs> Hi, kitty. Psst, 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 psst. Oh, your kitty. I said. Psst, psst, psst. Hey, they Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, I guess the 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 positive note coming out of this is that they are you know, losing membership like crazy, even if they're still taking advantage of people, mostly abroad, I'd say internationally is where they're doing most of their recruiting. It's definitely not in the States anymore. Um, they have a whole show about that called voices for humanity, where they go do some white savior shit. Yep. That is not surprising at all. When you run out of, run out of white folks to treat, let's go move down the person of color uh, tricks, baby <laughs> yes it is it's very much that so that's david miscavige that's what i've got i don't know dave you have anything else you want to share um not really you 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 i thought i was gonna go through i was like oh i'm gonna have to go through here and fill in some of the gaps now and you, you didn't miss much, my dude. You did not miss <laughs> I much. That. I appreciate that. Um, and like a lot of the, you know, it's there's, you know, when you were talking about him being abusive to other members of the church, a lot of times he would use sort of almost like his security staff, his personal security staff and have them do some of the physical abuse. But also if he was going to hit you, it wouldn't matter that, you know, I'm kind of a big guy. Um, if I was under his thumb in the organization or whatever, if he hit me, I wouldn't be able to hit him back. Right. Because the rest of the people in the room, security staff, whatever they I'd get jumped. Yeah. And so, you know, just the fact that he's little doesn't mean that he can't be physically abusive and right. that you might actually want to pretend that he hurt you more than he did, which is what I imagine anybody under his thumb did. If he like punches somebody and they're kind of, you know, Maybe maybe they grew up a little rough or whatever, and they're kind of able to take a punch. Maybe they pretend that it was like that it was like a powerful punch, right? Knockout, right? Yeah, that they got they got really hurt by it. And you know, like I Marty Rathman, who used to be in there as cop to doing some pretty nasty stuff for the cult. But there's also rumors about him sort of having settled with them and his. Anyway, that's I don't even want to get into that because that's a bunch of drama, a <laughs> bunch of goddamn drama. And there's just if you want to find it, you can find the Marty Rathbun and the ex Scientology people drama. It plays out in the Louis Thoreau movie. Yep. But yeah, this was this was super fun. Um, glad you chose David Miscavige over Elron. 
not this only is, because more people have done Elrond, I just think the story of David Miscavige is much more one of a grifter where I think Elrond is like he drank his own Kool-Aid and shit. Yeah, I, think I he totally more, agree. And I don't know the extent to which David Miscavige believes this stuff. I don't think he does it all. Think he believes Honestly, it all. Yeah. I don't think he does it all. I think he sees right. it his, as a his behavior is such that you would, that it's much different than L. Ron Hubbard's behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I think, it, I, I just think it's a means to an end for him. I think he craves power more than anything else. He, he, he wants to be the top of whatever organization he's at. I really, I, that, I thought that the entire time I was doing the research, I was like, this guy doesn't believe any of this shit. You know, he knows it. He can speak it better than anybody. You know, he, he, he talks the talk, but I don't think he believes it. And yeah, just his, some of his behavior would lead you to believe that he doesn't even care about the money so much as the, the authority. Yep. The power for sure. For sure. All right, well, Dave, we're going to roll out the red carpet for you. Any pluggables? Where can people find you at? Um, okay. I'm producer Dave or uh, otherwise known as gay Dave. And uh, if you're local, uh, check me out on grinder. Uh, otherwise, you can find me uh, at echoplexmedia.com or twitch.tv slash echoplex. And if you want to support our project, go to echoplexmedia.com slash support. Um, unlike a lot of other podcasters, our income comes from a variety of places, um, mostly Twitch, but also there's merch at our support page on our website, um, Venmo, um, OnlyFans. Oh, wait a minute. No, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, you can just echoplexmedia.com. Everything's there. We we have a couple great articles on our blog, which we've changed the name of to the Defamation Times. We have a one of the people writing for us is a professor professor of sociology named Chris Connor, who also goes by Professor QAnon. And uh, he's put a couple um, great articles on the site about conspiracism. And uh, also uh, he and Marcus, who goes by homozygote on Twitch, a good Twitch friend of ours, put, did an article together on there, and they uh, published it on our site before it went on, I believe, the Daily Beast. So I um, just thought I'd you know, give those, those two guys a plug because they don't have to publish any, on something called the Defamation Times, <laughs> but they choose to. Yeah, and this has been this has been a lot of fun. Um, I was, you know, I've never been on a show that's maybe structured like this. Most of the times when I've appeared on people's shows, it's been like interview format where I'm like basically expected to be like some kind of misinformation or cult guru. <laughs> and that's a little more that's a little more, um, I'd say, nerve wracking than this format where I'm like, oh, shit, I can just chime in with jokes and gags and knowledge when I have it. That's it. We're going we're to lose ship around here. And and I and I'm just gonna say this, David. I, mean, I really love uh, the intellectual Dollar Tree, the the podcast. And I, you do you you work in a lot of stuff, but that's the one I'm I'm drawn to. I you know you had a recent interview with Chris Cavanaugh from Decoding the Gurus, which I I like Chris a lot, and uh, me and him have clashed over a lot of things over over a period of time, and which we, is uh, okay. Yeah, that's and fine. Actually, it's, it's totally fine. I, it was a great conversation. I'm a big fan of decoding the gurus. So yeah, it was that was fun. To my favorite to. thing about my favorite thing about that show is at the beginning, Matt was like almost shy. And now Matt's throwing like more bombs than Chris is. And <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. And then go to great. Twitter. Chris also, is also, also not for nothing. Matt's a bit of a smoke show. I mean, really? Yeah. Go for sure. A hundred percent. I've always thought that. I don't know, maybe you should edit that part out. I don't no, know. Do they listen okay. to your show? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, but, this is, this is, this has been super fun. And I guess uh, just shout outs to the people that work on my projects with me. Uh, you, you're familiar with HK. He's yep. not been around as much lately. Um, uh, jury duty. Yikes. Oof. 
Well, he's smart enough. He's like, I shouldn't be running my mouth on the internet while I'm on jury duty. I'm like, that's probably okay. But also the media wench, Ashley, uh, my bestie, 25 years of friendship and six or seven years of working on this project together. Uh, the councilman who works with me on the down ballot project, Chip DeVille, who works with me on local love and um, all the other guest hosts. We've had uh, just other kind of Twitch streamers on tomorrow night. I do conspiracy bingo and I'll have a Twitch streamer named Hildebeast on with me. And she's fabulous. She's like this retired Canadian lady who talks hella shit and drinks hella port wine. And I love her. That's so, amazing. So just and shout out to the people in my community that like give money, support, share all this stuff. Um, at first, when we were doing a podcast, we were like, you know, what? we should build this fabulous audio system and everybody will uh, just come to our show. And then that was untrue. You have to build a community around what you're doing or you're just not doing shit. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's 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 good stuff. It's good content. I'm, I highly recommend I'm a fan. So. Austin, plug our shirt. No, why you make me do this? I'm terrible plugging. <laughs> because it's hilarious from what you try. Don't, just, just do it. I don't want to make. It. I make HK read out the intellectual Dollar Tree because he sucks at it. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard that. I'm like, you read out the show. He's like, I suck at that. I'm like, no. Yeah, no, I make Dalton do all that. I, like I do all the research. Dalton, Dalton has to do all of it. <laughs> all right. So uh, listen, we have announced this on Twitter. We have not announced on the podcast yet. We're currently doing pre-orders for a shirt. The deadline is August 1st. Every profit from the shirt is going to the National Network of Abortion Funds. It is a cool shirt with the Supreme Court on fire. We're going to do anarchism through shirts, so you don't have to. Uh, <laughs> you can find that shirt at if you catch my gift.bigcartel.com. Uh, go buy it. Deadline's August 1st. Uh, expect shipment four to six weeks after deadline. And to wrap the show up, we have friends. Check out our friends at Pod Van Dam, my WTV guide, super fantastic, at odds. Uh, X over. X over. Yeah, I need to write this down. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Catch My Griff Pod. You can find me on all socials at Griff Boy Doll. You can find Austin on Twitter at uh, Griff Daddy. Griff Daddy. And you can find Dave on Twitter at Mr. Emma. No, <laughs> you, if you, you're going to have to find me. Um, you can find all of our Twitter. You can actually find everybody in my organization's Twitter. You go to ecoplexmedia.com, click, there's a contact page. So you can find. You can find and bother all of us that way. And I'll, I'm just and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, please do. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right, whatever. Awesome. Happy. Ladies and gentlemen, MB friends, stay beautiful. Words from a book showed me the way To be free of the shadows of yesterday but the price of that freedom we all must pay From now Defend the rights of man